friends. Thanks for joining us on the Equipping You podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast will encourage and equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. For more information about the Christ-centered Acts 1-8 Alliance family, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. It is season 11, episode one. Alan, Alan, Alan. We're launching a new season. A fairy dog or something? I don't know. What's the deal with that? (laughs) Uh, Wow. (laughs) So, glad to be launching into season 11. We're coming to you today from Columbus, Ohio, home of the first Buffalo Wild Wings. What a contribution to American culture and society. I'm always a fan of wings. Wherever they may be, happy to hear the first one is here, though it seems rather odd. It seems like it should be in Buffalo. I, yeah, right? That seems right, but it's not. Well, it was on the internet. It's that, a, it, Well, actually, Buffalo Wild Wings claims it on their website, because I literally just saw that last night when I was looking for a place to eat. Alan, that is amazing. Yeah. So you, this, this trivia, Terry, is confirmed. Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, today we're uh, going to visit with Bill Coconow who uh, works with Exponential, mm-hmm. one of Exponential's leaders yep. and a friend and partner of ours for uh, a lot of years, really helped the Alliance in our church planning movement. Mm-hmm. Alan, you've had a lot of interaction with Bill. What do you think of this guy? Uh, he's a servant, he's a friend, he's a helper, he's a connector, um, he's an encourager, and he understands multiplication, and this is going to be a, a really good conversation. I'm confident of that. I agree. We're looking forward to it. So grab yourself a ranch dressing soda. That sounds awful. Yeah. Andy, our video guy's making a face. Isaac, our producer, making a face. Alan, that's your normal face, isn't it? No, that's because I'm trying to swallow hard. <laughs> I'm making a face. Sit back. Relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You Podcast today, our good friend, Bill Kokenauer. Bill, welcome. Great to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here. Good yeah, to be it really here. is good to have you, Bill. Uh, Bill and I go way back to when he was working at Kogan Builders or Construction or something like that. And yeah. I was pastoring one of my churches in Florida. And How do I not know this story? Uh, I guess you do now. Wow, I didn't realize that. So uh, I you don't want to rehearse everything. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's good. That's so cool. I, I didn't. We didn't buy the building or construction management or whatever it was, and I I want to apologize for that. <laughs> well, no, no, no worries, no worries. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you're following God's will now, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all have our wayward moments. Uh, that's great. So that great. Uh, we like to help our listeners get to know. Uh, our interviewees a bit. So uh, give us a snapshot of your bio, Bill, and background and how you came to know Christ and how you ended up working with Exponential. Yeah. Well, I uh, grew up in an amazing Christian home. My uh, uh, Actually, my great uncle was a Methodist evangelist in the holiness strain. And so when uh, his brother, my grandfather, came to faith, he said, hey, there's this new group, Nazarenes. And uh, my grandfather became a bivocational co-planter, uh, co-minor church planter um, back in the 
days. And that kind of launched us in that strain. Um, my mom and dad are just uh, amazing Christ followers. But um, as sometimes happens, I had a pretty significant prodigal experience, um, you know, without uh, glorifying that time. Uh, there are at least a couple of times, a couple of reasons for me not to still be alive. But uh, on April 4th of, it, of 1982, God just dramatically um, changed my life, just 180 degrees. And, uh, and I did start working for Kogan, Florida down, actually moved down here and, uh, uh, later that summer, summer of 82 and, uh, began designing and building facilities for churches. Uh, some years later became the CEO and in 95 moved that took us back to Ohio. Uh, we don't, we forget, but back then we didn't have the technology we do today. And so you had to be at the home office, but, um, and then around the year 2000, I have a brother who is uh, prophetic in the, um, you know, you sort of sometimes uh, prophets are bulls in the China shop and <laughs> some are the more um, quiet, musical, Bob Dylan-esque sort of. And that's that's my brother. But um, we were in Atlanta one time and he just shared with me that if the church continues going the way they're going, we just fall further behind. And uh that really, uh, I really opened my eyes and that concerned us because you're setting the trajectory for a church with a major building program. And about that time, I met a CEO of a competing company, uh, Ed Baylor, who became a, a, a lifelong friend. And we formed a thing called the Quarterstone Knowledge Network, really just to do research around the alignment of cultural leadership, ministry and facilities. And we started doing, just started doing research and with Barna and, and Lifeway and, uh, would do think tanks and uh, Alan Hirsch had gotten to be a good friend of mine and uh, through the think tank met Dave Ferguson. And then there was a gathering of mega church pastors and Alan Hirsch. And I got involved to help facilitate that. And that became known as future travelers, which really is the forerunner of the learning communities that we do today. And <laughs> about, uh, I guess, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, 10 or 11 years ago, Todd Wilson just said, Hey, why don't you just come on board full time with exponential? So been uh, been here ever since so. fantastic yeah i believe uh the first exponential i went to was in 2015 and i was in a big group a, a house with uh, a bunch of pastors from the metro district and you came and you spoke to us poolside at yeah. our house that's right that's i remember first, that yeah it's first time i ever met you so uh that was it's hard to believe that's going to be nine years ago this spring that's crazy i know it wow. is that is it great is. well yeah. we've been blessed really blessed by your kind, um, patient um, connections, encouragements, opportunities for the Alliance to help us move forward uh, in multiplication uh, and really making sure that more people can hear the good news of Jesus. So tell us more about Exponential and and what's the big goal that Exponential is aiming for? Yeah, the, the singular focus of Exponential... Um, uh, if you're around exponential very long, you'll hear about the 16% mission. And that really comes from the diffusion of innovation theory, which is kind of that bell curve where you've got uh, pioneers and early adopters and the early majority, late majority and laggards. And the, the theory is that once you get 16% of a, a population behaving a certain way, it's enough to pull the rest through. And so, uh, so that's kind of been um, the 16% mission has sort of been shorthand for that kind of thing. And how do we shift the focus from uh, addition accumulation, sometimes addition at all costs, to uh, disciple-making based kind of sending and releasing. And more recently in the last year now, um, we've gotten even more focused on that and said, what, what would it look like to 
uh, help empower, not that we would do this ourselves, but to help other networks, denominations, uh, equip and empower 60,000 multipliers that we are defining as healthy disciple-making leaders that champion reproduction. And each of the words in the in that definition are very, very specific. Um, and so, yeah, how do we how do we just serve um, the body of Christ to help you? Know, if you if you could see sixty thousand multipliers, some vocational pastors, some everyday life Christ followers, and we just believe that would um, transform the country. Amen. Amen. Believe, Love it. Believe that too. So, uh, one of the things we like to ask all of our guests on Equipping You podcast is uh, who who has really influenced your life and ministry. So uh, give us two or three of those who have been especially influence, influential on you, Bill. Yeah, um, well, there's certainly been, I'm, uh, I mean, I, I really feel very privileged to uh, the people that I've worked with, um, you know, what I've learned from from Alan Hirsch and Jeff Vanderstelt and others I've gotten to know as, as good friends and, and Alan even um, just beyond his writings, just his intimacy with Jesus. Um, mm. it, do you get a sense that Jesus is not in the third person when you're with Alan? Um, but I would, I'd have to say really my grandfather uh, that I mentioned, his humility, um, what he sacrificed to be uh, a pastor because he felt called into vocational ministry. And then my mom and dad, my mom and dad were um, like, they were missional before missional was cool. So um, <laughs> imagine this. So my dad uh, I was a couple that gotten saved at my mom and dad's house and uh, rough background. And uh, she, the wife called one day and said, uh, Hey, I think George, her husband is drinking. Well, we, I, you know, we were in a little town. I grew up in a little town, only had one bar. And so dad went down there and George wasn't there, but he met uh, Nellie and his niece, Nellie and her niece got to know them st and started going in on Friday night. So imagine, you know, this is from the holiness background, yeah. avoid the influence of all deal. evil. And um, he would have his Diet Coke and they would just start, you know, people that were having struggles. So oh, you got to come see Pastor Jim. He'll be here Friday night. And um, out of that started uh, what became uh, what was called the way station. Initially, it was a bar without the alcohol, then uh, became a place for survivors of sexual abuse, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and eventually became a full blown uh, compassionate ministry center. My dad actually had served on the board. Uh, you know, the general board of the denomination, the seminary board was chairman of the trustees of Mount Vernon Nazarene University. In fact, if you're a missionary, you can stay at the Coconower House at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Basically, gave up all those because God just really broke his heart for the poor and began to work with the way station, then eventually um, did do some other roles in the denomination for that. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine a more amazing heritage. And I think that's part of why my where my passion for the priesthood of all believers comes from, you know, you see the power of that. And, um, you know, the people that, that were reached through, uh, and, and my dad continued, my mom passed away in, in March of 2020. And my dad just, he calls them circles, you know, and there's five or six, what he calls circles, just uh, groups of people that he is continuing to minister to and disciple. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible legacy, and I'm grateful. Hmm, nano days. That's good stuff. I appreciate that. Uh, so I kind of alluded to this. You've been connected to the Alliance in really several capacities, um, you know, learning communities, which have been really transformational for some I know from Eastern PA, but other people I've heard as well. 
exponential house visits. <laughs> That's fun. Zoom calls. I don't even know how many Zoom calls you've been on with Alliance leaders. Uh, interchange. I mean, like yeah. so many things you've been helpful to. But, you know, in all those views, what encourages you about our Alliance family? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I was thinking about that. It's been it's been a lot of years. Yeah. You know, go back to that that time poolside, you know, in yeah. Orlando. Um, but Dave Reynolds, I remember, um, you know, working with him out in California when we were doing Exponential West out there and uh, Todd Silvine, you know, coming up to Ohio and, mm -hmm. and teaching with, uh, you know, group of pastors there doing an online course with their district and uh, some district assemblies. I mean, and I think there's always with everybody that I've met and gotten to know well, there is a a, a deep passion for Jesus there's not a um, there's not a a sense of well we have to maintain the institution there's a respect for that you know and 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 the the awareness that there's an opportunity there but it's it's uh, yeah there's just this humility and this passion to know Jesus and and you know when I met Yvonne uh, so the, Yvonne you know kind of characterized that too so the week the uh, the day I met him was at a, was at an exponential conference just not long after he was in that role, and I'd met a denominational leader the day before, who kind of came to me and said, "Hey, I know you've been working with this other guy, but I'm the I'm the guy you're you're going to answer to now," and just you know sort of that attitude. I meet Vaughn the next day, and he's like, "Hey, I've been given this role. Who do I need to learn from? You know what? You know, and just the." I still remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Day. By the way, that other guy's not in that denominational role. <laughs> and Yvonne still is. Yeah. And, and Yvonne still is. But yeah, I mean, there's been that passion. I think I think the other thing too, the diversity, one of the most diverse um, learning communities, cohorts that I've personally facilitated was an Alliance cohort. And uh, and so the diversity in, in the Alliance church and just, I mean, some of the stuff that's bubbling both from the ground up, you know, what Joel Repick's doing in Western Pennsylvania, you know, and then also with the, the leadership in really how do we help, um, how do we help um, escort a movement, to, you know, channel movement, how do we move things out of the way to make that happen? So, and I, I think, I think that denominations can become the flywheel. Like I'm, I'm starting to see this, I've been working with the Wesleyan church for a while now. You, you, there's a lot of, um, you know, just, uh, I don't know, inertia. Uh, there's a lot of just the first few cranks of that flywheel are hard to turn. But once that begins turning because of the connectedness of a denomination, because of the heritage and the background, and there's always movement in the, you know, in history, in the DNA. Um, I just think movements can be that, that flywheel um, that uh, as they begin to, to shift from, you know, addition being the primary metric to uh, creating disciples. Well, good. Uh, the Alliance loves you, and you've been a great help to us, as I've already said, so I just want to reiterate that and, um, and say thank you. So, Bill, if someone takes training from Exponential, one of the first things they will hear about is the five level of churches, five levels of churches. Uh, unpack that for our listeners, if you would, please. Yeah, it's at the five levels and and the madness have become kind of a core um, framework for us, just because it's there's nothing magical or you know I don't know uh, 
not even it's not even really biblical. We didn't even go back and try to proof text it or anything either. It's not unbiblical well, either. Uh, <laughs> right. It's not unbiblical. It's just uh yes. <laughs> what it does do is it, it kind of gives you a way to look at the landscape of churches um and then it becomes a mirror to kind of like look at your own situation. But we talk about the five levels that we talk about, and really we it just started out with math. You know, you have addition, subtraction, and multiplication. And so you know, the sense that there are probably some churches that are declining, some are adding, and hopefully some that are multiplying. And and we ended up with five levels really because you have sort of those in-between spaces. So so we talk about level one being in subtraction. You know, these are, you know, churches that uh, might be in decline. Um, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory, although a lot of church plants we launch into level one where there's, there's not enough income for, uh, for the, you know, the bills that they have to pay. Level two are what we call survive plateaued or surviving. And these are churches that maybe they've been in decline. Maybe there's been a leadership team uh, change and they've leveled off uh, or that church plant that now has got their head above water uh, financially, but they're not really growing to any great degree. Level three is what we typically champion as, you know, success in the in the church, you know, outreach magazines. Number one issue is the one that is the hundred largest and the hundred fastest growing churches. And it is, um, you know, when a, I hear a pastor ask another pastor, you know, how are you doing? It more often than not means, are you know, what's your attendance now? Are you growing? You know, what's your income? And it's just been the the metric that we've um, of how we've gauged success uh, in the church. So level four is where we begin to see a real shift. This is this is what we call reproducing. And one of the ways to think about the difference between level three and level four is the primary metric of success has now begun to shift from addition accumulation to something in the realm of, of sending and releasing. So it might be investing in church planting. It might be doing church planting. It might be, um, you know, uh, Ideally, it eventually gets to, you know, disciple making and where you're launching expressions uh, out of your church. And then level five is what we call multiplying. And that's just simply uh, kind of the way that we look at it is reproduction to the fourth generation. So that if you, you know, if you've made a disciple, made a disciple, made a disciple, you're, you've, you've built something in there that hopefully uh, will continue. Um, the kind of the interesting part of that or the the part that we're i hear the most ahas are we talk about a magnet at level three that we're drawn to level three you know again because of that's been the level the measure of success and so as in to a large um, extent i think the prevailing model of the church is a prescriptive model um and so you know how well you can follow that um you know depends on the the situation but but the thing is, many of the things, maybe most of the things that you do to become a great level three church become the very things that keep you from moving to level four and level five. So it it the magnet works both directions. And that's often where I have pastors come to me and say, you gave words to the angst that I was feeling. In other words, and sometimes successful level three pastors that realize, man, there's I should be more excited about what's going on here or there's or. Um, I mean, even go back to the original Future Traveler pastors, there were, I I think there were two, two acts. One was we could never grow out large enough. And two, are we creating more consumers of Christian goods and services than we are actual disciples? And so if, if the Holy Spirit's been talking to somebody, um, yeah, that just opens up the opportunity now to say, okay, that affirms kind of what 
what the Holy Spirit was saying. Now, I did have a guy come up to me one time after presenting that and go, do you have anything that uh, uh, would help me break through the 200 barrier? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, kind of like, did you not hear all that we were just, <laughs> you know, I mean, were, was it that bad a presentation? Yeah. And I, and, and I want to see him break the 200 barrier. And, but yeah, it's just, how do we focus on yeah. sending and releasing and yeah. empowering people? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And apparently Zoom approves of what you just shared because they, you know, they they mirrored your thumbs up there on our screen, which was wonderful. So that's good. We'll take we'll take that extra affirmation there. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh, so you know, you talk about that magnet that is for real. Um, you know, but what steps do church leaders and churches as a whole need to take to start moving beyond the pull of that magnet? Yeah, we're we're we've kind of looked at five shifts and it is interesting when I presented that you see, you know, when I, you can plot kind of the excitement in the room. Cause it's, you know, as you're talking about the five levels, yeah, I get that. The magnet level three. Yes. Yes. And then the, you know, the next question is what's the answer. And then the excitement just wanes as they realize <laughs> there's not a, there's not an easy solution, but, but we, we talk about five shifts. One is a shift from hero to hero maker. If, if there is not, um, a shift in the mindset, the heart of the leader, then none of the other, nothing, none of the rest of it happens. And, you know, I remember hearing Bruce Wesley, uh, Clear Creek uh, down and started the Houston Church Planting Network saying, I had to die to my image of success as a pastor uh, to begin to move to level four. Um, Larry Walkemeyer, you know, just, yeah, they had a vision of, you know, we were growing a lake church bigger and bigger and we realized god what god wanted was a river church that the, where things were flowing through us um so i so that's the the, the first shift the second one i kind of hit on before is the shift in the primary metric of success you know how do you move from addition accumulation to you know and, and you should still measure attendance and giving it's not you know shouldn't measure not measure that but what how what's your primary metric of success um, the third then is a shift in the expectation for every believer. You're moving from, uh, we've kind of given the impression that a really good Christ follower is somebody that attends three out of four Sundays, gives 2% of their income, volunteers when they're asked and does a mission project once a year. And, you know, we, how do we get moved from that to saying, no, you're, you're actually a full-time missionary. You know, you'll probably never draw a paycheck from a church, but where God's placed you're a full-time missionary. So changing the expectation of, a believer and then a shift in the opportunity for every believer and uh you know because if you're as you're changing the expectation now how do you how do you provide opportunities and to equip and empower them where you know we're in the in whatever mission god has, has called them to the third one is, or the fifth one i'm sorry is a shift in the operating system i think um finding new economic models uh for the church that's not dependent on um, weekend giving. Um, yeah, I, I had, um, and I'm not giving you guys much time to, to talk here. That's all right. <laughs> but, but the other, so I live, I'll share one other stuff. So last year I had these three and, um, Alan probably shared this with you, but I had three conversations, almost identical with church planners. Um, and they, it, you know, they come up to me and they go, Hey, um, so-and-so said, I should talk to you. I'm planning a church. And I'm like, well, give a temp. What are you doing? He goes, yeah, we're going to be launching in five months. And I said, well, tell me what's been going on. He said, the last seven months have been amazing. We've got this leadership team. 
and we've been going out and people are coming to faith and it's growing and we're baptizing people. Well, finally, the third time it happened, I finally just said to the guy, so what happens in five months that legitimizes you as a church? And my fear is when they, when you get to that time of what you, and I, I said, you had to change your language. You're starting a publicly advertised weekend gathering, but everything you're doing right now as a church. And my fear is that 90% of the effort that's going into being a church right now will go into putting on an event on the weekend because again, the success of the church, the financial viability, so many things are wrapped up in how many people can we yep. bring to on a weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Bill, talk to us about the culture change that needs to happen for a church to see their gospel impact multiplied. Right. You guys have heard um, you're perfectly designed to get the results that you're getting, which is um, both can be bad news and good news. Um, you know, you can make changes. And, and I do think part of the change, I, I think those shifts are necessary, but to really facilitate those shifts long term i think there need to be changes in the uh in the culture kind of a, a, fr a framework that we use is uh, we look at like three um concentric circles uh, the idea of the values what are the key values um that, that you're really going to embrace and then the narrative and the behaviors what's the narrative how are you going to talk about it and and talk consistently you know, what's the language, you know, whether missionary is the right word or whatever the right word is in your context. And then the behaviors. Do our behaviors line up with what we say our values are and the way we talk about our values? And then that that whole process becomes iterative. You know, as you as the behaviors um, line up with the way you talk about it, it amplifies the message. And so, um, yeah, so, but it's, you know, it takes a lot of humility um, to to do that. And and, you know making actually real changes too it's um when you're when you want to know somebody's values it's like you know don't don't tell me what you value let me see your checkbook and your calendar and i'll tell you what you value mm -hmm. i think it's the same way with churches if you know if, if the three of us were to sit down with the budget and the calendar from a church and particularly we had the pastor's personal calendar we could pretty quickly say what the what it was that they really valued you know, whatever that might be. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that culture change for it to stick, you know, yeah. and uh, that's, that's the beautiful part to see that happen. But that's the flywheel piece of it too. Cause you, even with respect to the denomination, because you're so connected as, as that begins to turn and the culture begins to change, you're now helping to change the culture of individual churches as well. And yeah. that, that's what I'm, I'm excited about the Alliance too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. I, it's been a real joy. I've, you know, watched, I've actually watched Yvonne do a really good job of helping to help facilitate that in the national office. And, um, he's, his humility really helps mm -hmm. with that. I think that he can lead up and down and I'm really mm -hmm. grateful for that for him. Uh, glad that Terry had the wisdom to hire him. Uh, and I'm grateful for him. Um, so, uh, let's get in the realm of curious, Maybe annoying to some, but uh, what would you consider multi-site? Is that level three growth or level four reproducing? That's actually, I think, a really helpful question for understanding level three and level four, because originally level three, it, it was a level three solution. So Jim Tomberlin was one of the first um, 
sites for the um, Willow Creek Leadership Summit. And when he was watching pastors watch the summit on the screen, he realized I've just saved my space problem. And Willow ended up bringing him on to help them go to multi-site. And he, he actually became known as the multi-site guy. I don't know if yeah. anybody knows more about multi-site than Jim Tomberlin. Um, and he and Warren Bird are working a lot on, you know, researching mergers now as well. But but what's, inter what's really exciting, and I would say primarily, it's still primarily a level three strategy because if if it's still dependent on let's call it the mother church and i know that's not a good name for the but the 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 primary church even even if they could do four or six sites and the vast majority of them are still only one or two sites at the most you're if it's still dependent on you there's a finite amount of resources you're you're and so you're basically birthing sterile children because they're not able to multiply on their own hmm. where planting churches that go on and plant churches, which is why. So Outreach Magazine right now, we have, we've been working with them to to measure reproducing churches. Well, this year we're actually going after not just churches that plant churches, but churches that plant church planting churches, mm. because that that can continue and and you know continue to grow. And so level. So I am. We are seeing some really interesting things in multi-site now, where some churches are being launched as a multi-site that with the expectation that in two years they will be on their own uh we just i just saw this happen with mercy road i just saw a facebook post where they one of their the, their campuses now you know was intended to launch um and so you know we are seeing at the edges of um of multi-site we are seeing some level four reproducing kind of mm -hmm. uh it's happening which is which is exciting that is exciting for sure I love that. So, uh, Bill, if our the church leaders who are listening want to start making this shift toward multiplication, where should they start, and how can exponential help? Yeah, I think um, Alan, you mentioned the learning communities. I would say that um, outside of my family, the most uh, exciting thing that I've been a part of have been the learning communities that really were birthed out of future travelers. We call it multipliers, leading beyond addition and the Alliance has had a couple of cohorts every year for the past couple of years. And they're um, great. Highly recommend them. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in the midst of, of a season right now. The next season will begin um, in October of next year. Um, as you know, Yvonne can provide that um, at exponential this year, you know, the focus is on disciple making Jeff Anderstel's written the core content. And so, um, and I think five of the 10 speakers are from outside the U S uh, of the main stage speakers, but the workshops, man, it's just, you know, and, and you'd be part of the Alliance family. You're bringing like 250 or Alliance it's, it's, people. It's grown up and it's really exciting to have that group there. Yep. It is. We bring yeah. people from Eastern PA every year and we make sure that we have two or three people in the learning communities every year. It makes a difference. Yeah. Yep. When the, and the resources that we have now, if you just go to the website, the one it's called 180, this idea of, of, of return to disciple making. There are a lot of free resources there. Um, the other the other two resources that I end up finding myself recommending most is Multipliers Leading Beyond Edition, which is, again, another free download. But that has the a lot of the frameworks, some of that I mentioned here, and uh, as well as some other ones. The other one that I find myself um, recommending a lot of times is flow uh, flow the one that larry wachemeyer wrote because he talks about the shift from being a level three 
you know, Lake Church to a level four river church. But he also talks about the, the tensions that were involved and deals realistically with the, the, all the tensions that were involved in that as well. So, yeah, that's good. I appreciate you referencing Larry Walkemeyer because we literally just released his episode with us a couple of weeks ago, and he did do a great job. And, and uh, his humility and their learning is beautiful. But also, I think you underestimated their free resources that are available at Exponential because it's a lot is not enough. I mean, I, yeah. I've never gotten to the end of them. And sometimes you think, oh, they're free ebooks. They're not going to be that good. They're just, no, this is not, these are like quality books written by quality, experienced leaders. And I have read a bunch on there. And so many of them have been so helpful. I think anybody anybody should just go to exponential.org and just thumb through and look one that looks like is the most interesting to you. And I guarantee you'll go back and get more. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Ralph Moore's uh, How Almost Anybody Can Start a Microchurch, uh, Brian Sanders, a network church. Yeah, there are just tons of them. But I always like to give somebody a place to start anyway. Absolutely. Well, and Jeff Vanderstelt's new book is already on there as well. The the five shifts or whatever it's called. I can't remember now, but yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, the Alliance is grateful for the partnership with Exponential. This podcast has probably had more Exponential personnel yep. interviewed than any other organization. For sure. Uh, so we believe in you and, and benefit from you. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today, Bill. We really appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. And, and our role as Exponential is you can do it, we can help. That's that's exactly the posture we want to have in, in serving you. Well, we All love right. that. And you're, you're doing home. it. Thank you. You are the Home Depot of church leadership. For there sure. you go. <laughs> Hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, I, I think I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that conversation. Absolutely. Alan, and we had about a 15 minute conversation with Bill yeah. after the recorded yeah, conversation to uh, just catch up with his some of his personal stories and some of our trends in Alliance church planning, but uh, uh, I hope our pastors and leaders out there glean some good stuff from uh, another exponential speaker. Yeah, I think so. I, and I, here's the thing. It is hard to resist the pull of that growth magnet. There's so many, there's so many powers in that magnet to make you want to do that. But I appreciated the quote he gave uh, that, you know, I have to die to my own ambitions in order to do what God wants me to do in leading the church. And, um, you know, it's not about our longevity, our numbers. You know, it's about sending and releasing. You know, it's about what happens after we're gone, you know. And, man, I really appreciate that. And I think Bill is, like, disarming so that you feel like, you know what, it's okay. We yep. can do this. Yep, absolutely. So next time on uh, Season 11, Episode 2, we'll be talking to Jelani Pinnock about Alliance worship I'm and looking forward uh, to that. worship in general. So uh, can't wait for that. <laughs> Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. For more information about this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.